Welcome to another Agile Games podcast. This is Paul Wynia. I'm here with my co-host, Laura Powers. Hi, y'all. And we've got another great guest for you today. We've got Wade Stallman, who was at Agile Games West up there in San Francisco in 2016. And we had a lot of fun playing with some improv games with him. So we're going to hear about those and a lot more. First, Wade, why don't you tell us a little bit about you? Sure. The way I got into Agile was... I was on a software development team, and we had read all of the XP books that came out around 2001, 2002 timeframe. So we were kind of on the Agile journey from that perspective. And then in uh, 2012, our company had a Agile boot camp that many of us were invited to, and we were really excited about attending. So we we went to this boot camp, and there were probably 100 people in the audience. And one of the things we covered on the first day, the instructors mentioned that they wanted software to be delivered to production every two weeks. And there was an audible gasp from the crowd because most other teams weren't doing that. And the four of us from our project looked at each other, and we were kind of smug because we were releasing every week. So we felt, wow, this is going to be really great for us. It's going to be like a little vacation. <laughs> uh, and did it turn out that way? <laughs> well, actually, uh, yes, it did. There was quite a bit of stress to releasing every week because we had some unautomated final builds. So going to every two weeks was actually helpful to us. And at that point, the four of us, we had to pick a scrum master and I was the least flexible of the group, which is kind of a scary thing to admit now thinking that I try to be agile, but they selected me as the scrum master. And shortly thereafter, I learned that being rigid and inflexible was not a very good attribute to have in an agile world. Well, that sounds nothing like the the way that we got to meet. So uh, rigid and inflexible <laughs> didn't, wasn't what I saw. Well, there were a lot of changes. Shortly after that time period, I started taking improv theater classes, uh, mostly as a way to get out of my shell since I'm kind of an introverted person. And in improv theater, you learn very quickly that you don't get to control anything. Everything is controlled by the team rather than you. So you very quickly learn to basically be agile since you're always working off someone else's direction or cues because you're always accepting what they do and never turning them down. Oh, that's really cool. And I have to say, I really admire an introvert who says, hmm, I want to be more flexible. How do I do that? I know I'm going to take improv classes. That's huge. Yeah, one of the things they say in improv is follow your fear. And I've been doing that for quite a while now, and it's always led me to a better place, even though it's often kind of stressful getting there. So do you continue to perform? Uh, I do not. I went through the year and a half of training, and then I created the workshop I did with you guys. And I've done that all over the world, and it's actually been kind of time-consuming. <laughs> so I'm afraid of theater in the first place. So it was pretty easy for me to back away from. <laughs> so where are you based out of? St. Louis, Missouri. I'm with Asynchrony Labs, which is a subsidiary of Worldwide Technologies the perfect parent company to have acquired us. We have a perfect culture fit between the two companies. Wow, you don't hear that very often. 
I was just going to say, you're down there with uh, a friend of Laura and my, Jason Tice, right? Yep. Yeah. He actually recruited me. Ah. Yeah. He's uh, amazing. You got to tell him we, we need him to get him on the show. <laughs> oh, I'll shoot him an email. Yeah. I don't think he'll be too hard of a sell. Now, what is your role with Asynchrony Labs? You're not the master of improv. What do you do <laughs> no. on a day-to-day basis? I'm an agile coach there. Mm-hmm. So that entails sometimes working with internal teams, sometimes working at client sites. One of the things that I'm doing right now is working with our facilitation guild. We have, well, we've always desired to have every team hold retrospectives, and we really like the idea of a neutral third-party facilitator for each team's retrospectives. So to do that, we created a facilitation guild kind of along the Spotify model. Mm -hmm. We've set up a training program for them with a four-hour workshop on how to be a facilitator. We uh, have them observe some retrospectives, then facilitate their own, and we give them feedback. We have a smaller subset of the guild that are called Guild Guardians, which kind of are someone's sponsor when they enter the program. They help guide them answer their questions. They're probably the one who observes the facilitator in training. All of this is set up because we have a vision for our facilitation guild, which is simply stated as asynchrony has the premier facilitation guild on earth. With that kind of vision, it's been very easy for us to try to decide what path to take since when your sights are set so high it just seems to guide all of us very well so in your training of these facilitators do you incorporate improv or teach them improv skills or any other agile game skills as part of their facilitation yeah the training class is four-hour class and there's probably 20 minutes devoted to team first development which is you know using improv warm-up games typically to start retrospectives I think the famous Agile Retrospectives book mentions that if you can get everyone in the retrospective talking in the first five minutes, you're much more likely to have a successful retrospective. So our view is you can often accomplish that simply by starting with a game. So that's one of the things we recommend. Oh, that's really awesome. And it gets everybody, it gets the cobwebs shaken free and and everybody into a space where there's some creativity and some, you know, forward motion going on. Now, do your retrospectives typically follow immediately after demo or sprint review at Asynchrony? One of the nice things about Asynchrony is that every team is kind of in control of their own destiny. So, I'd have trouble answering that, yeah, we always follow the demos because I don't think we do. And every team kind of sets their own schedule. Sometimes it's even up to when the facilitator is available. Okay. So the classic consultant answer of it depends fits here perfectly. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. I'm going to say that a lot. So why don't you walk us through a couple of the games that you recommend to the facilitators uh, as much as you can in a audio-only podcast? What are some of the kinds of things that you might teach the facilitators to use? Sure. One of the ones is called Count to 20. So most every game, there's some sort of a goal. And every game has what we call equal voice, where 
everyone's speaking about the same amount of time. The only winning or losing is the group wins or the group loses. There's no real individual success, which is true in improv. When you get up and go on stage, most shows, people are either satisfied with the show or not as a, an entire group of the people on stage, not one particular person. So some of the games, uh, one of them we play is called Count to 20, where everyone stands shoulder to shoulder, looks at a point on the ground. So you're in a circle and the goal is just to try to count to 20 as a team. At any time, someone will say one and then someone else will say two. And anytime two people are speaking at the same time, everyone in the group says, oh, like it's the saddest thing that's ever happened to the team. And then we start back at one. And although it sounds very simple, it's kind of difficult. And it actually relies a little bit on acquiring that group mind, knowing when the right time to speak is. I've played that game. I, so I'm taking improv classes here in San Diego is one we played there. And it's one I've actually played with teams as well. I, I really like it. I think it's a good game. One of the things that I'll notice often with the teams is they'll try to start finding ways around it. Like I'm going to say it and then the person next to me on my left says it and the person on their left says it. How do you break up some of those patterns when they start trying to uh, find ways around the randomness? Yeah, that's a good question. Often when I introduce the game for the first time, I tell a story about a team that was clever and one person said, one, two, three, four, five, 20. The team all applauded that they got to 20 because one person did it all by themselves. And I, I said, you know, that's great. You win. But our goal is group mind rather than getting to actually get to 20. Like you mentioned, we could very easily form a pattern Every other person, every third person, we're all very clever, but the goal isn't to form a pattern. The goal is actually to sense each other and get to 20 as a team without, you might call it cheating. <laughs> <laughs> now, you know, one of the things that I really love about this collection of games that you have assembled is that they're not just for teams that are in person all together in one room there's a number of the games that can be played with distributed teams and you know, want to talk a little bit about that because i think that is so relevant and important for team building in modern business yeah actually when i created this list so i've never had an original idea in my life so obviously all of this is stolen from the improv community uh which is fortunate because they're very free thinking and willing to, to lend material. I went through probably around a thousand improv games on earth, and I think I've read most of them, or at least read enough to determine if they're business appropriate, because <laughs> there's an awful lot of them that are not, because <laughs> theater people are much more fun than we are in IT, and uh, there's some things that your typical developer and QA and designer just doesn't want to do. So uh, I've weeded those out, weeded everything that's not business appropriate out. And also on the website, there's about 60 games. All but one are really playable over the phone. The reason I did that is because at the time 
we had a team in Mumbai and we were on a couple of calls a week with them and we wanted to be able to play these games without any trouble caused by the phone. So all the games on the website, you can play over the phone and they're also all repeatable. One team I was with, we played the yes and game every day for a week. It didn't get boring because as soon as somebody opens their mouth, the game is different than the way it was the day before. Absolutely. Now, another interesting application for these kinds of games is I was part of a team once where we really struggled to stay within our time box of a 15-minute stand-up. And so we would set a timer, and if we got to the conclusion of stand-up within our 15-minute time box, we got what we called a cookie. And a cookie was we got to play a game. And so, and And we would tend to rotate who got to pick the game. And that was just a really fun motivator to get us to focus, basically. (laughs) Get through stand-up in our time box. That's a great idea. These games on your website, do you have them divided up by skill level? Because, I mean, there are definitely games that I play with my improv group that would be a little bit too much of a deep into the pool kind of situation for the teams. Yeah, I would say that uh, on the website, pretty much all of them are for uh, beginning people. I mean, you don't really need any improv experience. We have some symbols on the website, and N means newcomer friendly, which means it's just a little better for newcomers. But any of the games listed there are playable right out of the box. That's very cool. It makes me think of another question for you. You had said that you got into improv originally because you are a bit of an introvert. So I know you have great affinity for folks who might not be quite as out there and wild and crazy as me, maybe. So what are the recommendations for someone who's facilitating a retrospective or a game and they know they've got some software developers who are a little bit more on the introverted side, do you have some tips for people? Well, one of the things we do in our training is talk about a safety check, which I prefer to call it an honesty check. So that's one technique is we make sure that everyone is willing to be honest with everyone in the room, which I feel is extremely important. But as far as drawing people out. Our facilitators are certainly able to ask questions of individuals. So they might say, hey, Jerry, how do you feel about that? So if somebody isn't talking at all, they'll try to prompt them. Also, we do have other games that we play. Uh, I know right now we're talking about doing a blindfold Jenga in one of our training classes as a technique to help with empathy. So we like to try to do as many games as we can. They don't always fit in a group environment, though. I'm not a big fan of being blindfolded in a group, so you may not catch me playing that one. All of these games are optional. We very seldom tie down people and make them play a game. That's part of the safety you were talking about. And it's, yep. it's interesting, Paul, because you talk about blindfold and you want, want to do it. And I think of the last time there was a blindfold involved in an Agile game. And the table I was at was making all kinds of R-rated comments about the blindfold. So you never know what you're going to get and what will emerge when you're facilitating an Agile group. It could go from one end of the spectrum to the other end of the spectrum. <laughs> I'm happy to facilitate people who are using blindfolds, and I've got several games where I blindfold participants. You're just not going to catch me in one. (laughs) 
Oh, well, it's a good thing that we ask for volunteers. Well, we do also try to keep it professional. Yes, <laughs> as much as we can. So why don't you tell us a little bit more about this site? Where can people find this? Sure. It's at teamfirstdevelopment.com. And if there's any trouble getting to it, people could email me. I'm wade at wade.com. And the word wade is spelled W-A-Y-D-E. I guess that's an advantage of having your name spelled a little differently than most people, right? Yeah, that and I got the domain quite a few years ago. That's first spelled out F-I-R-S-T? Yeah, Team First Development. Three words all smashed together. Oh, Wade and I were talking earlier about where we might run into each other live and in person this year. And it sounds like you have a philosophy similar to mine, Wade. Submit <laughs> some proposals, and if the universe wants you to go, you get a proposal accepted. So where are you playing the proposal game this year? Several places. Mile High Agile I submitted to. Agile 2017. Be submitting to Music City Agile. Agile Indie, Agile Gravy. So yeah, Laura and I have the same philosophy. I, I figure if I submit and then I also register, then the universe is going to help me out and get my submission accepted. <laughs> well, we hope to see you again this year at Agile Games West. We're going to be holding it. Well, actually, we're not ready to quite let that cat out of the bag, but we'll let you know as soon as we've got it. And we'd love to see another submission from you again this year. Awesome. So we've got the website, we've got the your email. Do you have a Twitter handle or anything else that you like to use? On Twitter, it's Wade S, just W-A-Y-D-E-S. On LinkedIn, it's Wade.Stallman, S-T-A-L-L-M-A-N-N, -N, if anybody wants to connect. All right. Well, thanks a lot. This has been great. I mean, I think the improv games are so tied into Agile and, and they match up so well. I was really excited to see your submission was really excited to see your talk. I know how much fun everyone had when we were playing there in San Francisco. So thank you so much for being involved. I just want to thank you because I think it was in 2014 I first saw your improv presentation and game facilitation. And I thought, this is someone who really gets it and is giving so much to the group that I was part of. So I became a raving fan of Wade Stolman a long time ago, and I'm just really excited to have the opportunity to talk to you and to promote what you do because I think it makes a big difference for a lot of our Agile teams. So thank you and keep doing it. Well, thank you both very much. I really relish this opportunity to be on your podcast been a wonderful experience. I hope to see you at Agile Games West this year. Sweet. Oh, yeah. So that wraps up another episode for us. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Please be sure to go into the store and give us those five-star ratings. It really does help spread the word. And we'll talk to you all again soon. Bye, Laura. Bye. Stay agile. Bye, Wade. Thanks. Bye-bye.